And I think that when people just have a blind or they're blinded to someone else's struggle because they don't they don't feel it, that causes them to boot even in moments where they really should be supporting. And then now they say, well, that's your employment. That's your job. You protest on your own time. I get that. And I do understand that perspective. But when a person protests on their own time, it does not get the attention needed to usher in change. Leaders need constant developing. It might be on the personal side of development or the professional side. But essentially, the work that you do on yourself will benefit how you show up as a leader in the home as well as within the workplace. Check out these testimonials from some clients I've worked with in the past and make sure you book your session soon. They want to continue on this journey because it has been very beneficial for me. Um, like I said, I'm not the same person. I don't feel like I'm the same person I was five weeks ago. How I fit your strategic goal. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that does. I mean, I'll... I, I'm glad. I'm glad you got me here because that's that's good. So, feel it was accurate. Like, what what's your feedback? I think it was definitely accurate. Thank you so All much. Right. This was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you have period. Like, how do you feel now? I do want to be successful in my business. Um, I need to work on me. I'm like, I'm happy right now. I am. I'm, that's this is good. good. So, what are you waiting for? Schedule your session today. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire Presents the Act and Lead series. And on this episode, myself, Corey, and Tyrus are talking about the different professional sports agencies, those that industry specifically, to talk about how they've handled social justice issues. And right now, I think this topic is super important. In the beginning of this series that we started last year, we had a lot of these conversations about DE&I because that was a hot topic in that season. And as we can see, well, what happened in Capitol Hill recently, this is another issue and conversation that people are talking about again. It was just a, such a horrendous event that we witnessed and I think it's a great time as leaders personally professionally as business owners to really start considering what we can do to continue to navigate a lot of these issues that are coming up in the world so get your notepads and let's get into this message welcome everybody to another episode of the act and lead live series where we talk about the rise and fall of businesses, organizations, and today we're going to be talking about our favorite team sports, NFL, NBA, and MLB. I'm joined as always by Miss Aisha and Mr. Corey. How you doing, guys? Hey, oh, man, y'all. I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> Absolutely. And so we actually added a new piece to this. We're going to talk about a highlight in the news, almost like a snippet. So we just want to bring that up. Aisha's going to take over that going to share my screen so you guys can see what we're talking about. And we're going to talk about leadership in the news. Yeah. So we are starting a new session. Um, just like Tyra said, we're going to talk about, you know, actual companies that are dealing with things as we speak. So these are going to be news stories that are happening 
currently during the week. Um, and I think it'll be some great touch points we can talk about. So again, we can highlight companies that are dealing with um, transitions. The reality is any leader that's watching this, maybe you're emerging leader, maybe you have been in a company for a while and you're um, in a leadership and management role, maybe you're a CEO, you're going to run into moments in um, your company or in your journey as a leader where you're going to have to kind of pivot these moments where it could be like a dip, like you're falling. So what's happening in this story um, with Facebook and Google, what they're trying to do is manage, as it says, manage inflammatory postings on internal employee message boards. So what's happening right now is on their internal message boards, there's been a lot of chatter within the their employees and the professional and teams that work with them that they're discussing a lot of the Situations that are happening on the outside from politics to, you know, situations in regards to racism, discrimination, Black Lives Matter. They're talking about all these different areas that many companies want to keep outside, okay, on the outside of those company doors. So I want to pose a, a question to you all. How do you feel about the shape of companies now? We have, we probably have been raised in, um, you know, a season where you do not keep, you keep your personal and your professional separate. So you don't come, you don't talk about politics. I mean, there's rules and regulations, there's trainings about it. You don't want to provide any, or you don't want to come into the workspace and talk about anything that could you know, typically cause some uproars. And again, that's typically politics and religion, right? And now we're talking about race as well. So as we're pivoting into the future of leading, the future of managing, how do you guys feel about keeping that separate? Are professionals looking at organizations to stand for something now? And that might also be something that can run into um, issues with employee engagement, re retention, because what I'm seeing is that there are a lot of individuals that are looking to go to companies that are more equitable, that have diversity, that stand for something versus company who companies who don't. But on the flip side of it, when when should companies kind of like have a little bit of wiggle room and not when it comes to allowing people to talk about politics, religion or racism? How do you guys think about that? Or what do you feel about that? So, yeah, I mean, go ahead, oh, go ahead Tyrus. Go ahead. So from my perspective and um, looking at it from a military viewpoint and lens and also from a government lens, you kind of keep those politics, those conversations out of the office because one team, one fight. But there is, to me, something unrealistic about that because we're still human and we still we want to be fair, be equal, be equitable. And when we don't see that occurring in our organizations, then that question starts to ponder, does the organization really care about me? And I think that the new generation, especially when I'm looking through Facebook and I'm seeing the fees and the posts, they ain't having it. <laughs> they want their organization to bring diversity, equity, and inclusion in the picture. They want that conversation. They want people to at least acknowledge that something is going on. Whether you agree with it or not, at least acknowledge it. And so that's what I've been seeing. I've been hearing a lot of people complain about, well, my company hasn't said one thing. And there's also a level of hesitation and fear to even address it, to say or to bring to their supervisor, to their owner, hey, I don't think we're having this discussion. Let's have it. They don't even want to do it for the sake of keeping their job. So there's a lot of people that want change. They're almost to the point to where they're demanding change. And I think they just got to get over that fear hump and really, really have that conversation. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, 
you know, I've always been I've always been told, you know, you, you, you keep your you keep your work at work, you keep your home at home, right? Like you don't mesh the two. But I think we're we're moving into a uh, into an environment where these companies now is very competitive to try to get top talent. So you you have to then place yourself in a in a spot to say, okay, what do my employees actually say about me when they go home? Um, you know, it's, if if you work in small towns with maybe only Ford or a plant or um, you know you go offshore or something like that, like the one that is kind of like monopolized because that's the only thing that you can kind of get in that area. Um, if you look at a company like that, it's like, okay, cool. That I have to settle for what for what it is. But there's a lot of companies, especially as we move to the virtual learning, I mean, the virtual uh, work from home aspects to it, virtual learning, virtual colleges, virtual business, right? Like you have to start looking at, okay, so I can take my talent to the, to the most, you know, prestigious place based on what their workplace culture is, based on what their talent is, right? And so I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of people that need to start to realize that the shift and in my opinion, the shift will happen when it comes to allowing your employees to really speak out for you in a positive way. So you got to kind of facilitate that message. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, uh, a lot of organizations and companies are recognizing that there might be some situations that happen that they have to speak about. I mean, just about, again, being from the military perspective, we heard everything from our general all the way down to our colonel who addressed the killing of George Floyd, who addressed how they understand how their airmen feel um, from different backgrounds and how this has shaken up. Um, you know, really how the people morale and their viewpoints and how they, you know, they understand and they're open and available if people want to provide feedback. You know, I want to share a story. When I got that email, I instantly responded to my colonel and I mentioned, I was like, hey, like I mentioned before in the story that there was a hiring panel that was coming up so we can hire our new commander. And I was like, hey, would you please, I want to just advocate if we can have somebody that represents us on that panel, because the reality is a lot of organizations that you're at, as you move to the top, we've mentioned this multiple times at that C-suite level, right? That executive level, it really is a change of dynamic. You don't see too many minorities there. There's not a, a lot of equity up there. So the panel was mainly going to be white males. So I advocated, listen, our section, our division chiefs, our leaders, our minorities, where there's probably only one, um, um, one male, one male out of there. We're all women leaders. We're all minorities, all from different backgrounds. Some of us are single mothers. Some of us are wives. Some of us, you know, have children. It's just a blend. So we were asking, can we have someone in there that represents us? And I love the fact that he was open to it. And they instantly implemented that change to have somebody in there as a representation of the diversity that is at that mid-tier management, right? So it's so important that I think that organizations are recognizing that they do have to address some of these issues, that it is something that comes to the front street. But again, our goal is not to be reactive and really create environments that are inclusive, equitable. So when stuff does happen, you know, it's professionals are like, well, my company's already been about this life. They've already been about this diversity life, this equity life. And versus now people are looking at it like, 
Well, are you just saying this because of what's going on? We really want to create this and make this into a culture of change. And yes, I think there does need to be limitations um, in regards to what is said, how you can communicate it. Because, you know, we've had team members. I've been around team members that have talked about certain things. I'm just like, you should not even be talking about it. I'm not going to talk politics with you right now because, again, that conversation can pivot. But we do have to recognize when the time and place to have those conversations and when to say, okay, this is a space where we have to keep those beliefs separate because it can become divisive because of what was happening in this situation. There were posts that were flagged as, you know, um, bullying, harassment, it became racial. So it turned into a negative versus an open dialogue for us to understand because really that's what we're in the season of understanding because understanding and hearing different stories opens up the pathway of empathy. And a lot of organizations need to work on that because although you might not have lived my life, although you might not have my chocolate skin, my brown skin, although you might not have this brown or black skin or have this experience, at least you can understand my viewpoint and empathize with it and and have that understanding of who I am. Corey is so silly. Uh, So so I really think that there is a healthy balance. But again, it's about creating that workplace culture and that climate that's about this life and learning how to manage both sides of it. So any last words on this? Uh, For me, going back to the message board, it definitely should be there so people can, like you said, communicate their feelings, get things out, start to create a conversation. But when you start to bring in that negative aspect, the racial overtones, um, the sexist language, those things should be non, no tolerance policies should exist to immediately take care of those types of situations. Because if you do, and I think by building a culture around that, you can then start to, you know, eliminate the because I honestly don't want to work with people who have bad things to say about me. <laughs> so while I get that the message board is not a place for them to spew it, I think that once they realize that people do think this way, the organization as a whole needs to begin to make those changes and eliminate those people if they really, like you said, are about that diversity life. And what you can do from a proactive standpoint as an organization is use diversity planning. You plan diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout your organization, not as a reactive, not as a training because someone did something, but as a plan moving forward to usher in and just bring in people from all variety, colors, cultures, sexes, so you can have a stronger team. Yeah, that's good. And then I, I would just say my final my final piece is just understand that the the message board is not the is not the issue, right? There's a find the root cause, and then from the root cause, you will figure out why these things are being posted on the message board. So I agree with all, with what all y'all said, but I just want to I just want to get around to some people listening to right now, listening to this right now, that they'll be like, well, just take the just take the board down. That's not the issue. The issue comes from deeper than that. The issue comes from, like you said, Tyre, the culture. What's your culture look like? Why do you want to post that stuff um, on that particular platform? So you can have it, um, but, you know, address the underlying issue to everything. That's good. That's good. Yes. As we begin to pivot, we're going to let Corey take it over. We're going to move right into our segment talking about our professional sports organizations, their responses to what has been going on lately 
and especially around Black Lives Matter and all the way back to Colin Kaepernick with the kneeling of the anthem. So, Corey, definitely start us off with that conversation. Take us through the lens of our professional sports organization. Yeah, so I'm I'm super excited to to discuss this because it's been it's it's been divisive. It's been the topic of discussion for like the last probably five years. There's people who no longer watch it. There's people who who watch it more because of this. Um, so the direction I want to go right now is just talking about. So the NFL season opened up. This is we're now in week two. So the NFL season opened up. Um, I want to start off with the, the Chiefs game that happened, right? So the Chiefs, uh, and I think it was the Texans that played, they showed this demonstration. It wasn't during the anthem. It wasn't during anything. It wasn't during any, like, moment of, you know, here's the military, here's the country, anything like that. But they locked arms together, and everybody began to boo. So give me your thoughts on that. Get, let's talk about kind of – Kind of, we talked about we talked about the government being involved. We talked about the flag. We talked about, um, you know, even in the aspect of speaking up for things that we believe in. And these athletes, they still have a voice, right? So let's talk about that. So tell me your thoughts on on that aspect to it. So it was a it was purely just in a spot of, look, we're just going to give a moment of silence for for the things that have happened together as a team. Both teams locked arms, but for some reason, we're still getting booed. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I saw that piece and, and it was it, it was a bit of surprise because essentially, you know, it, 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 the question has been, what is the best way to raise awareness for this? And, you know, I do give kudos to these organizations for trying, for attempting to say, listen, let's understand the needs of our team members. Because essentially, again, business leaders out there, CEOs, leaders, we are living in a time where a lot of uh, ind individuals, like the employee needs, like employers are like, are you really, do you really care about me? Are you really about this life, about really know knowing who I am, knowing that I want to be in a uh, profession of purpose and I want to be in line with the right type of organization. So they heard the team members needs and we know it was a whole debacle about the back and forth about what this represents, what it doesn't. So I think that what they did was really a, a good and effective way to address it and raise awareness. But it was surprising to get the result with the response from the consumer from the person that's purchasing these tickets from the individuals that's participating in, you know, in these, um, you know, these professional sports uh, spaces. Uh, forgive me, I don't know much about sports. So I'm trying to find the right lingo. But on the other hand, we need to really make sure that um, when we are focusing on this, it, it's just, I don't know, it was just really it was just unsettling because what I like to always look at the big picture because I had a conversation with somebody and they were talking about the song WAP and Cardi B and Meg Thee Sally and how this, you know, uh, how this is like a big deal. And I was just like, well, we're looking at these two talented artists, but we need to look at the consumer. Like if record, if the record labels are purchasing this or they're putting it out there and they're investing in these, you know, type of songs, then we have to recognize that as the consumer, that's who they're there. Um, that's driving the decisions. Right. And I would hope that a lot of these organizations and companies don't go from it from let's just 
shift based off of what the shareholder says and they're looking at the bigger picture but it, it was one of those moments where it was it was just unfortunate that that happened and you do really question and wonder okay what else can you do because even as we're trying to find this other means to bring awareness to such a sensitive topic such a topic that their team members who are going out there getting um what's that what's that um um head injury that they're getting i mean you have these exactly. gladiators what is the other one? Um, I'm thinking about Aaron Hernandez and how they said he had C- Oh, like CTE, yeah, CTE. But you have these gladiators going out there, putting their lives at risk, their health at risk, to put on this amazing show. It's turned into something just that America loves. But, and it's like their needs or what they um, stand upon or what they think is important can't even get a moment of just, can we just have a moment of solidarity? Can we just have that? And then we can put on a great football game for you. It was it was um, sad to see that. Um, but again, a lot of companies, organizations out there, there are going to be moments and situations where speaking up about it, your team members are going to be affected by it. And you'll have to determine how you're going to handle that, even when the consumer, even when the shareholders, even where the other stakeholders aren't down with the cause. And that's going to be a hard thing to do. But essentially, who are you about? Are you focused more on the outside or the internals? And the people that are putting their lives at risk or their health at risk on a regular basis to put on this amazing show. Who is it? Who is more important to you? And I think that, you know, that's something that a lot of CEOs and leaders are going to have to really navigate through um, as they find themselves having to address hotter topics in this season. And for me, when I think about this, it's almost like just a disdain for what someone else is going through. And when, as the consumer, you just don't want to accept that someone else is having a struggle, that causes you to do things like boo, when people are just standing for solidarity. And so their backdrop always have it has always been from when it was Colin Kaepernick kneeling was disrespect to the flag, when it was never, that was never the intent. And instead of hearing the man's intent, they created their own narrative. So now you disrespect the flag. I can't support you. I don't want to hear anything about your movement. And I think that when people just have a blind or they're blinded to someone else's struggle because they don't they don't feel it, that causes them to boot even in moments where they really should be supporting. And then now they say, well, that's your employment. That's your job. You protest on your own time. I get that. And I do understand that perspective, but when a person protests on their own time, it does not get the attention needed to usher in change. And who are you as a person that is not going through the struggle to come and tell someone that is when and how they should do what they do in order to usher in change. So I think it's just a, there people that boo are blinded and they're blind to the fact that they don't feel it. And all the other things I see, oh, slavery's been over for so many years and this has happened and you've gotten this. Why are you still complaining? Pull yourself up. And I've heard our white counterparts, friends of mine, um, just ask genuine questions. It's like, you know, I came up, I had struggle, I was able to do it, but I, I had to tell some of them, you know, your story isn't the same as mine. Just because you did struggle, doesn't mean that my struggle should be diminished at all because you made it. I had to come through something totally different. And I think that when those fans are booing those people, 
is because they're not listening to their story. They're choosing their own narrative, being blinded by it, and they just stay in that zone. And let me hit one more quick point. I mean, you're you're really hitting on the point about unconscious bias. On the, a lot of the training that I do for DE&I, we talk about that. We talk about how people are naturally wired to only watch the news channels that cater to our beliefs. We naturally will connect with people who are on the same wa- wavelength as us. And a lot of times we don't take time to hear the stories and the opinions of others. Even for me, I'm trying to expand my mind and listen to other perspectives. And sometimes it's like, okay, I see their point. But sometimes it's hard because when you believe something, you believe something. But it's going to be so important that you organizations out there add that piece of empathy. Um, that's one of the key components in, in the training that we provide is to also talk about the, the process of um, really re-educating yourself to understand the perspective of other people. When you are a leader, when you decide to go on this path to lead, you have to recognize recognize that you are really ushering in people from different backgrounds, different experiences, and you have to have that understanding of what that single mother is going through versus that mother that's married or versus that gentleman that's a single parent or that gentleman that has to take two, three, five trains to get home before you make a decision. And that's one of the things that we do in our assessments is really allowing leaders to have that understanding of your order of thought, identifying, do you have that, um, when you're making decisions, are you factoring the people, the process, and then you're doing the big picture and how to find ways to think about all that. And I think we're missing that empathy piece to really have an understanding of the perspectives of different people where we can start knocking down those unconscious bias, which again, that's the biggest predictor of your behaviors. Because when you have biases, now you're behaving a certain way and you might find yourself favoring one group over the other. So now you go to your game and you're just like, boo, I don't care what y'all talking about. But again, it's really going to be important for you to start educating yourself and having that empathy and learning about empathy. And that's going to take you hearing stories, getting connected with those communities, volunteering, really hearing outside perspectives. So now you have a bigger picture understanding, which now will dictate your behavior a lot different. And now you'll see more inclusive and equitable spaces. Mm, that's good. Y'all took that home. Y'all took that home. <laughs> I get, I, my, my final word to that, though, is it just, I just want to, like y'all ever seen the pictures where it's like, can you spot the difference? I just want people to realize sports is entertainment. Um, whether it's the NFL, whether it's college, whether it's high school, right? Like, yes, it is an extracurricular activity, but at, at the end of the day, when it becomes a a paid product, right? Like when, when you go to college, like people are paying their money for these tickets and it's a that's a billion dollar industry. When you go to the NFL, that is a billion dollar industry. And I'll segue into that in a second. But what is the difference? Right. Can you spot the difference in entertainment between a movie, a TV show and the sports? Right. Because what you have is you have a lot of shows coming out now that are highlighting, you know, uh, injustices that are highlighting the LGBTQ uh, community. They're highlighting maybe, uh, you know, this this social uh, issue that's going on right now. Right. It's simply entertainment. So these people are using their platform as a producer, director, as an actor would to be able to bring light to the thing that they want, right? So I just want i just want to pose a question to them and everybody listening, can you spot the difference? So I talked about billion dollar industry and one of the things is these, these NFL teams, these NBA teams, they cost a whole bunch of money. So one of the things that could be barring people and I want to talk about inclusion now is just 
how how do we fix inclusion within the ownership of these sports right so when we think about the nfl there's two minority owners right so there's some women owners in there but when it comes to like people of people of color right so we think about the jacksonville jaguars i think about the buffalo bills their their ethnicities all just don't say caucasian right they don't say white male or white female and we can get into the discussion as far as females in a little bit but um, Tyrus, I just want you to—I just want you to talk about that for a second. What does that mean? What is, um, you know, how do we, how do we fix inclusion if everyone at the top, as we as we've talked before, don't look like they're diverse? Yeah, and that's a great question with with a laundry list of answers. Um, one thing is, we understand that wealth has been withheld for minorities for a long period of time. We have not had that equal opportunity to sit at those tables. And so now as we become more wealthy, we still have to break that gr- that glass ceiling because there's a ceiling when you when majority of your owners are one way and like Aisha talked about the unconscious bias, they're going to surround themselves with like-minded individuals. I want people that look like me. I want people that think like me. I want people that work like me. So even if you have some of your black billionaires that are coming up now, they're still at a lower rung because (laughs) what the last team that sold was Carolina Panthers at 2.2 billion. So you're talking about two or three, maybe African-Americans that can buy an NFL team outright. And that's taken away a lot of their net worth at that point. So in order to start to usher in change, I think we have to start at a lower rung because we just cannot jump in that billionaire range and buy a team and change it. The organization from within, your your coaching hires, your general managers, your staff, those people need to be diverse and included and change at that level. And then they can push that change down. Now, I always think about if we really, really want change, our NFL players need to start taking a page from the NBA's book. Sit down. Don't play. If you really feel like your word or what your struggle is not being heard, don't participate. Let that check go for for a game or two and take a hit for the larger goal and larger picture. But right now, I don't see a way to change it from the top. We got to change it from the bottom. The only way that I think changing it from the top can happen, and this is kind of where Martin Luther King, the the nonviolent movement came from, was because when you got white people in that time to see the atrocities being done to people who aren't doing anything to you, that touched the heartstrings. And then they partnered with them and they were uh, they were able to usher in change. So if they are if we are able to get the owners to see that, to pull their heartstrings, then they'll begin to change and they collectively can usher in new things, bring in new people, allow minority owners. And when I say minority, I mean the word mean it in the frame of not a majority owner of the organization, but a piece. And then we can start to buy in and change those things. And I want everybody listening, when you're talking about changing, it's not to give anybody else a leg up. It's to just bring in equality, to share 
the fruits that everybody's laboring. <laughs> it's not like they did all the work. They got the team and they go and play the game. They have people that play it. A lot of those players to join in and have that equity. And it ain't all about money. Just because they make a couple of 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year doesn't mean they're not human. Doesn't mean that they still don't feel oppressed. Doesn't mean that they still don't look at their families and brothers and sisters and others and don't feel oppressed by that. And just another little tidbit that I want to hit before I transition over to Aisha. When you talked about the unconscious bias, social media, I watched Social Dilemma last weekend and it talked about how they were engineering to capture our attention. And so they feed you what you want. So for these people who go on Facebook and they look at their groups and their friends and the messaging is all about what I want and it agrees with me, that unconscious bias is almost by design now. They know that you're going to feed into it. They know they're going to keep your attention. So start to think outside of the box. Everything that you see around you is not true. I know that our president loves to throw up fake news and he, he uses that and beats that down, but fake news is real. A lot of what you're seeing is not real. Even if us three sat in the same room and we searched the exact same thing, we would get different results based on our search history. So I know that segued off a little bit, but it's talking about that unconscious bias. When I think about those owners, they're surrounding themselves with people that's just like them. They're looking at news that agrees with them. They are feeding into that, and then they just don't see the perspective of the larger movement. And you raise a great point. Um, and I did watch that. I watched that um, this past week and it was eye opening. Um, you know, we talk about things that should be tools that have now turned into things that are ruling people's lives, affecting their behaviors. And unfortunately, it's became like a monetization uh, machine where now, yes, they're exactly doing that. You are what you're posting, um, what you're putting out there, they're dictating what pops up because again, the goal is to have you to continue to watch and continue to participate. And again, it feeds right into that aspect of unconscious bias. You're being fed those stereotypes instead of really saying, I'm going to take control of my social media or I'm going to con take control. And even when I know we were talking about Steve Harvey, he had came out and mentioned about Ellen, about how she's such a nice individual, which is great. But in that piece, he also mentioned that, hey, when you're at the top, you don't know what's going on. I mean, this is normal. But what can we start doing as leaders at the top to make sure we're touching the people on the regular basis? How often are you doing your organizational health checks? How often are you going down and saying, OK, I'm the owner, but let me spend some time with my different players. Let me create a process that every year when we draft new players in, we're going to have something we do every month where I'm just not in this bucket or in this booth or whatever they're at watching you play and just looking at you based off of your stats, how you perform on the outside, because even how you perform on the outside, what if something's happening in the household because you have family members that are affected by these biases, you have to take care of your family because we have to recognize a lot of these players, and again, not judging any NFL players who are still playing, who can't sit out because you're taking care of mama and them, sister and them, brother and them, auntie and them. You have to do what you have to do. And even that realization is important to know because you have a lot of young men that this is their ticket out of the hood. This is their ticket out of poverty. And now they have to take care of all of their family members because unfortunately you live in a world or in the space where there are a lot of biases and injustices. And they know that there are certain people, unfortunately, in their family that have to navigate life a little differently. So they're the ones holding 
holding the weight of all that. Now they have to go out and perform and now they mess up and they might lose their entire check because they can't perform. And now they have, but they have all this stuff going on in the background and you're solely looking at their stats. It's going to be so important again that as leaders and CEOs, owners that you start really empathizing and understanding the makeup of individuals. So even when people are like, shut up and dribble, you don't have no, no say in this, but on the outside, again, they're also a leader and they're seeing how this affects mama, them sister, them brother and them auntie and them, all their family members, they're still affected by it. So their voice still matters. Their vote still matters. Their, um, their stance still matters. They need to also have that perspective because now as you're moving up in ranks, you now are a door opener. Um, one of the, um, trainings I recently recently did was talking about social conscious, socially conscious entrepreneurship and how when you go into entrepreneurship, you are now a door opener. So as I'm opening more doors, getting into more rooms, if I can start making influence that can, uh, that can positively affect my community, I'm going to do that. So don't tell me to shut up and dribble. Don't tell me to shut up and pass the ball. Allow me to use this opportunity as a door opener to really raise awareness like the LeBron shout out. It's like to all the other people out there that decided that, listen, I'm going to take this risk put this information out there because a lot of people don't understand what women, the minority population for women are dealing with or what, you know, African-Americans are dealing with or immigrants are dealing with, Muslims are dealing with. They don't understand that. So now I have this platform. I'm going to utilize it like that. So again, we have to look at, look at it from that perspective. But the only way you're going to look at it from this perspective is by starting to educate yourself and becoming more open to hearing the stories of other, other individuals versus just the external. We need to start getting to the internal factor and start looking below the surface. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Although 2021 has already started, it's still not too late to launch, leverage, and lead within your industry. Myself and the ACT Leadership and Management Consulting Team is hosting an eight-week business training cohort that will take you through three essential phases to operating a successful business. Do you have a business that struggles to attract clients? Do you know if you're speaking your client's language? Do you have your business systems and processes in place? Do you even know what separates you from the rest of your competition in your business. All those questions will be answered. So join us. Go to actleadconsulting.com backslash cohort sale. Again, actleadconsulting.com backslash cohort sale. That information will also be in the show notes and come become a part of this great cohort that's going to allow you to take your business to new levels. Yeah, and so, and I, you went right where I was going with this, right? So think about, I want you to think about this, like you brought up LeBron James, right? To tell, to tell someone like him to just shut up and dribble. What if what we're seeing nowadays, things that have happened to myself also, I might not be here, we might not be here. Look, we might not have a LeBron James if we saw him on Instagram or we saw him on Facebook or some somebody's body cam getting abused or being killed on camera or something like that. We might not have a Michael Jordan. We might not have an Earl Campbell who changed the game in football, right? We might not have these, I mean, megastars, superstars, icons, if they were at the right place at the right time, right? And so for them, uh, one thing that we have to realize is that a lot of a lot of athletes come from a place where they weren't Harvard bound. 
They weren't Cornell Brown. They weren't they weren't Ivy League. They weren't all these schools that, you know, the, the USC's, the prestigious educational facilities. Right. They didn't know anything about that. What they did know was if I can just make it from football, if I can just make it from baseball, from basketball, wherever. Right. If I can just make it, I can take care of my family. And something that something that you said, Aisha, is um, one one thing that we have to realize is you have people coming from like college and they get draft grades every single year. And so when we get into the draft grades, we say, okay, cool. This is what you look like when you, when you come out of this, you might be a second round pick. You might be a first round pick. You might be a third round pick. Hey, I think, and a lot of coaches do this. If you're beyond the third or fourth round pick, they say, Hey, I think you just need to come back next year so you can get your grade up. A lot of people who are second and third and fourth round pick graded that year, they say, okay, well, maybe if I just come back another year, I can get a higher draft grade, right? But that's not the reality for some people. The reality for some people is I have to take care of my mom and she's been struggling this long. So maybe even if I get drafted in the fifth round and I make $700,000 a year, my, my entire life has changed now. Maybe if I go undrafted this year and I get the minimum and maybe I make 500000 being on a practice squad or something like that, that's a lot of money compared to a whole bunch of people out here. Right. That's definitely not close to the median income in, in America. So what is it that we have to we have to wrap our minds around to say, OK, they're putting themselves in these situations because they also have needs. Right. Just like yourself, you would take a raise today if somebody offered you another four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right. You would take that instantly and run with it. So for these people, that is where they have to be. Right. But it doesn't mean that they can't allow themselves to, to speak out, to talk about something that they're going through, their family members, all of that stuff. So this, the second part to this is what I want to say is I just want people to start to think about the mindset involved because check this out. You have two minority leaders and I'm, and I'm just talking to people of people of color, right? You got two minority leaders in the NFL. You got, I think it's two or three in the MLB. I think it's two in the MLB. You got three in the NBA, right? Um, and that's, that's minority, um, leaders in in these and I, and I mean owners like in these areas look think about the mindset the nba owners were like cool do what you want express your opinion take care of it sit out a game if that's what you want matter of fact it's not just a game sit out the playoff game which is a whole bunch of money that the nba is losing right now right the mlb said the same thing mlb owners were like cool we're behind the players this is what this is what we're doing i have only today and one of my favorite teams is the baltimore Ravens. not one of them the my most favorite team is the Baltimore Ravens. The owner came out and said, whatever my players want to do, we'll talk about it. I'll support them. They'll come out. Like, if they want to kneel, they want to kneel. If they want to stand up, they want to stand up. But I wholeheartedly understand where they're coming from. And I want to empower them to use their voice and their platform to help people, right? And so something that now I want to shift gears to based on the mindset of it, we see that it's kind of similar on every single level, right? You got maybe one, two, three owners that are are minorities, people of color, right? maybe one to three, depending on depending on the, the league, right? But you got people who are saying, it's okay, I'm, I'm backing you up. But you have the commissioner in the NFL saying, yes, we're going to follow suit of the NBA. We're going to help voting. We're going to help these social justice, you know, or social injustice issues. Um, talk to me about that. I, I want to go to Aisha first, just as far as like, you kind of have similar similar standpoints, but you hear the commissioner but the commissioner speaks on behalf of the owners. So we're still not necessarily hearing this overwhelming support of who actually runs the NFL. 
Yeah. And, and again, I want to hit on like some quick data as well when we're talking about like the wealth gap, right? Because, you know, there's also, um, again, the reason why we need to have this understanding and this empathy of um, the makeup of a lot of these players who, again, um, are still impacted by what's happening in their communities. I mean, even if you look at it from the aspect of upper income, middle income and lower income in 2018 for the quote unquote upper class, uh, it was um, the income was about 207,000 for the middle class. It was 86,000. You see that big jump. And then for what they have, the low income, it was $28,700. So you see that big gap, right? In regards to that. And of course, if you look at the demographics in regards to who fits in what pocket, you will also understand the difference in um, the different minority populations who tend to fall in maybe the middle and the lower class versus what you consider the upper class. Now you even look at the medium family wealth today in regards to the different racial groups. So for white families, $140,000. For black, for Latino families, right? $6,600. And for the black family, it's $3,600. So again, you have to realize a lot of these players are taking so much weight on their back to usher in because now they're in this upper class, you know, this upper income, which again, you don't see a lot of minorities in. So again, their experiences are different. Even access to education is different. Um, so even when a lot of these organizations are recruiting from these higher tier schools, and these spaces, you're going to see more people from maybe the white community from other than other communities, because, again, when you're looking at this wealth gap, it's huge. So people aren't going to have that much access. And also, it's so important that we start looking at other ways of starting to recruit from spaces, the HBCUs, really looking at that education requirement. Is this education requirement really required or should we just solely look at the skills and the abilities of the individual? So I just wanted to hit on that quick note. But essentially what you're saying is we talked about that last time with Ellen, right? And how we talked about how you have teller pictures that's at the top. Now, when an organization kicks off, you come up with your mission, vision, and your company values. So essentially, you would hope that if you have certain values, that anybody that you put underneath of you has those same values. So what's happening is that if you have the CEO top guy of the NBA or the NFL that's speaking and saying, this is what we're doing, but then you have these other leaders who basically have just, just as much say. I mean, even if you think about it from the presidential aspect, um, how you have Congress, like, hey, the president can have a, hey, I want to go about this, but essentially Congress is the one that's going to say, okay, yeah, nah, you, you can or can't do this. So if essentially the owners really have the the say in how things move. Yes, you can be the face of it. You can talk about it and you can be the person that says, okay, this is how we're going to move forward. But it's going to be important as well as the owners that's touching the people, right? That are even more connected to the people to also echo these things. And also, like I said, get connected with their players, their team members, really start making sure that they are moving forward and vocalizing this as well, if this is truly how they believe. Because again, we saw you a lot of times that your team members are really paying attention and they're looking at how you're handling things. And as we're moving in the different tiers of leadership, that leader is still going to be responsible to touch their people in some type of aspect. So don't take the easy way out to say that, okay, I'm at the top. I hired people here to handle all that. Really be that face, that owner, that CEO that takes time to really have the conversations to be open to communication, to connect with your people. Because again, at any tier of leadership, remember individuals don't typically quit the organization. They typically quit the leader. 
That's what happens. So at every tier of leadership that you're in, you have to make sure that you're doing your part to echo whatever the top CEO says, you all are in line and you're able to really communicate that and show that in your actions as well. So, I mean, again, shout out for him, for him, for him doing that. But the other leaders within that organization are going to have to also go about being more open to hearing the needs of their team members because essentially they're the ones that make the money, um, make that money for you as well because their entertainment is what drives the consumers to watch. Exactly. And that's, you know, just looking at, let's call it organizational alignment. Just be aligned from top to bottom, from the owner all the way down to the players. Be aligned, have a similar mission, vision core values, all these things that just show that we want everyone to be included. Now, what I, and I don't know a lot about their contracts or what they look like, but I'm trying to understand how can the NBA or why does the NBA seem to make more strides? They seem to be first. They, the players, they can sit. They equity, can equity. <laughs> Cause they have more equity. Sorry. I just had to throw that out there, <laughs> but they still, their majority ownership is white male. So how are these NBA players able to control more of their destiny? I guess than the NFL. And honestly, I don't watch a whole lot of baseball. I just feel like they're silent. I, I heard more about NASCAR removing <laughs> things that I heard about the MLB. So Corey, why is it so much of a, difference between the NFL and NBA the way they respond and then where's the where's the MLB on this <laughs> what are they doing yeah so I mean there's not much that's going on in the MLB right now but the MLB has spoken out and a lot of teams have said you know if they if they want to sit out spring training if they want to sit out some practices and that because that's simply what they can do right now right and similar to the NFL uh you know we had NBA players sitting out um, you know, actual games, uh, losing money for that entity, right? Um, the MLB, honestly, they, they are kind of flying under the radar, but the messages that they have put out is whatever our players decide to do, we're behind it. And that's coming from owners, that's coming from the top executives in there, and that's coming from the actual players themselves saying, hey, we want to make a change, right? Um, something that, something that I, I just wanted to highlight as far as like the NFL goes is when you look at owner to owner, like when I think about a Mark Cuban versus a Jerry Jones, you have a Mark Cuban that says, you know what, as Dallas, Hey, whatever, whatever my players want to do, that's what they want to do. And I'm behind them. Right. But you have a Jerry Jones at the same time in Dallas. Uh, if we want to go apples to apples, that said, Hey, I'm, I'm good with what, what you want to do all day. I'm good with whatever you want to do. Um, and I'm throwing the bunny fingers behind that because the caveat is as long as you don't do it during certain times. And so those certain times where during the anthem, during the, uh, during the flag, uh, when they bring the flag out and bring it up, like, so basically it goes back to underlyingly do that on your own time on the field. Don't do it during the spectacle when you can actually bring, you know, and he, and he kneeled with his team. I think it was last year. He kneeled with his team, but he specifically kneeled when it was not. When or I should say when it was not, I can't speak today, when it wasn't the national anthem or something that had to do with the government or military, right? So what message are you still sending? Because, it, again, it's do it on your own time. Do it as an on another piece, right? And I think we can firmly understand at this point, it's not about the flag. No one's disrespecting the government. 
no one's disrespecting the, the military. If we really want to get to the nitty gritty, Colin Kaepernick actually met with a Green Beret way back when, when he first started kneeling because he sat down on the bench. And because of that, it was the, the punter for the Seahawks at the time. The punter actually said, hey, sitting down isn't the right way to do it. If you really want to show your solidarity, if you want to show what you need to show, we kneel for these types of things. And so that's when he started kneeling. But I think a lot of people forget that, that that's why he started kneeling. He knelt because someone from the military and the Green Berets, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, they're pretty high up there, right? That's like a special group. You just don't join the military and like, boom, now I'm a Green Beret. Like that's something that you got to go get. So, so from somebody who reached that level and then played in the NFL, so he knows what he's talking about. He said, hey, this is the better way to do it. And he still caught flack over it. But the, the MLB right now, just to bring it back to that for the MLB, they haven't really said anything because they don't really have anything up there right now. They don't really have like games going on there. Or I should say they, they do have games. Um, we've had people, to, to be honest with you, in the MLB, we've had uh, college teams kneel. You've had MLB teams like during the during uh, particular games, they've knelt. Um, you've had people. You there was a white guy. There's a picture I, I need to find. Well, there there was a there was a white guy who was I think it was on the Dodgers, and he he was right up there with the fist in the air. Uh, so it kind of showed you, and there was no backlash to him. There was no fines. There was no anything. But it just showed you that, like even in that case, although the MLB is flying under the radar, they're actually kind of flying under the radar for a good reason because they're just saying, hey, whatever you want to do, we're behind it. And we're not going to be all in the media talking about how dare you do this or that or you kneel. And that doesn't display what I said, because we have to remember the NFL a year ago, two years ago, every single time there was a display of like solidarity of of, you know, a protest um, like thing. Someone was wearing a shirt that said something in particular. Every time that that happened, there was a fine. There was a suspension. There was a potential to be kicked off the team. There was a lot of fear walking on eggshells around that because. If I wear this T-shirt, if I kneel, if I put my fist in the air, if I don't come out of the locker room, there were all these different things. Well, I still have a job at the end of the day. And so you have these other entities that are saying, do what you got to do to be able to prove your point. But you then you have the NFL saying, yeah, not so much. And now they're trying to get on board. So something that I want to bring up, though, is based on what we've talked about, based on what we talked about throughout the week, do you believe that this is a PR stunt by the NFL? Go ahead. I should go ahead. You take the first part. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say um, because I, I don't think it's necessarily a PR stunt. I think that they have recognized, again, you have to remember that, as for, especially for the NFL, they had that, I mean, last season where it was like they were in the thick of it. I mean, there were all kind of debates about it. I think they've already been through the thick of it to identify that, okay, maybe we do need to be progressive. Um, there, there's, again, there's a change in how individuals are looking at where they work at. I mean, just to kind of go over it, I like I'm doing a series on I've been doing a series to kind of talk about it, but you know, like one of the things like it used to be about the pat, the paycheck. Now it's about my purpose. It used to be about my satisfaction. Now it's about my development. It used to be about you're my boss, but now they're looking for a coach. So I think that 
some people are recognizing there is a shift and there has been changes. There's been demands. I mean, again, after we saw what happened with the uh, the killing of George, George Floyd, you know, you, you see these events happen. I mean, you've seen so many people on camera get killed and you've seen so many things online, but there was something different when his that his life was lost it, it it the how people responded it was just like there's a true shift happening right now so i think that with the shift happening right now i truly think that it's not just a pr stunt i really think that there are individuals in there that are truly about listening to their team members because again i know that you know the consumer you are you know we're the ones that watch the tv shows and we're the ones that are paying the tickets to the games and we're the ones that are you know funding this but again we're going there because of the players um and these are essentially the team members that are really the ones that are attracting all this attention um so essentially, I don't I don't think they are. I think that they, they definitely do have a potential potential to rise. It'll just again, it just will depend on how they respond when they're in the thick of it. Are they going to still continue? Like if they come back next week and say, you know what, because everybody booed, we will no longer do this arm lock. Then now you're saying that, OK, this isn't truly progressive. But I think that the potential is there for them to rise if they continue on the same pathway. So to really make that judgment now is hard. Um, but I think that they are headed in the in the right direction. So you, it'll just be kind of like, okay, we'll see what happens throughout the season to truly identify if this was truly like we're about this life and we're doing that organizational, you know, connection and we're making sure we truly are changing the climate and the culture. And as we're seeing that play, I will determine if they're really about this life. But I think that, the direction they're headed is um, in a good one. And shout out to the NBA because I think, again, they have more equity. They have more stake. They have more say. Their contracts are solidified, right? You can't just get booted after a few games. So they have, because of that equity, their voice is being heard so much. And I hope that, if anything, the NFL pivots in a way where their players can have more equity. And that will also mean that their words and their um, their needs and their wants is actually going to be um, listened to. And it's like, you got to do it. So um, I think they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. Um, I believe the NFL is just slow. I don't know why they're so slow. I don't know if they are trying to appease their fan base. And I'm, I'm just thinking about when I watch the NFL, I watch NBA, the fan base is, I just don't see it being that can't be that much different. I, I can't see that minorities watch the NBA more than minorities watch the NFL. I still think that majority whites do continue to watch the NBA. I think that the NBA has taken great strides, and I guess it is because of that equity. Um, you have star power like LeBron James, someone who can, with his words, change the league. And this is the same thing that they looked for look to Michael Jordan for back when he was in the Bulls, but he did not take political stances at that point, but they did look to him. If he had taken them, things may have been changed even before now. And for the NFL, I just believe that the players have to continue to stand together um, as a whole, the teams, the organizations, and then the ushering change. Of course, people say, I'm not watching the NFL. I'm, I'm done with the NFL. They coming back. I mean, this is your pastime. This is your love. This is what you like. It, you're coming back. You may be upset or angry, and it may take some time for the blinders to fall off. I mean, I would never, never have, have thought that NASCAR would have got, gotten rid of the Confederate flag. 
I just would never thought. And we know what their fan base is, largely white males. So I would have never, but they made that change, and nobody's boycotting NASCAR. I mean, they talked about it, but it didn't really happen. So the same thing will occur with the NFL. It's just going to take some time. Aisha, I like what you said earlier about having a look at the HBCUs. Having our young men, as they come up, understand that you don't have to attend the PWIs, um, predominantly white institution. You can go to HBCU, and you still can make it to the league. I, I know several people that went to Tuskegee. They made it to the league. I had a cousin went to Alabama State. He's in the league right now. So you can make it going through HBCUs, and then once they start to make those transition, I think that equity will build. Now we're not where you're trying to pull us from. We're actually controlling our destiny, and we're adding that in. So, Corey, what do you think about that? Yes. So something that you said, so you talked about at the beginning, kind of reversing that from the bottom and coming to the top. Something that I want to bring to people's attention just today, I got the notification. I think it was this morning. Um, Deion Sanders actually took a job with Jackson State, which is an HBCU, right? That's so big for HBCUs and for a college that is, whether it's an HBCU, whether it was a normal, just everyday college, it's still a minority college because it ain't that big, right? That, But that's so big because now you have a Deion Sanders who arguably is the best cornerback to ever play in the NFL, right? Um, he's also played uh, football. Uh, so he played football, baseball. He started and I mean started for these teams. Like he wasn't just like a like a Russell Wilson nowadays. He yes, he plays quarterback for the Seahawks and he attends the Texas Rangers training camp. So he doesn't actually play. Right. Deion Sanders was doing it at the same time. So you have a person of this caliber at a HBCU that can step into your into your household and say, you should come to my college. I'm going to teach you. Then you look at the NFL, right? Like you said, you have family members who came from HBCUs there, so it can't happen. But guess where these these NFL teams are going to start looking, right? Man, you've been coached up by Deion Sanders, and I'm pretty sure his staff is going to be fired because of the people that he that he knows, right? So that that's how you start to rise from the bottom, right? That's how you start to build this like inclusion. That's how you start to build the equity because then all of a sudden, if he goes to an HBCU, what if another big time coach goes to an HBCU. What if those players then start to put themselves right? And then with Jackson State's in what, Mississippi? Yep. What if he recruits between LSU, Alabama, and Ole Miss? What if he recruits the top five people in the state that year, right? Jackson State looks completely different because I think we can all agree there is a different level of athleticism. There's a different level of play that certain players bring. And that's why you have these star rated systems. Um, but that's how you start to build that from the bottom, right? And it wouldn't surprise me in the three, four, five years down the line, all of a sudden you start to see that shift in, hey, it, it's not too bad to go to Jackson State. It's not too, it's not too bad to go to what, what I think is uh, maybe Akron State or something like that. Like, it's not too bad to go to Alabama State, right? Like, so southeastern Louisiana. It's not too bad to go to Southern, right? Um, Grambling, like th those types of schools because – a lot of people will skip that opportunity because it's not going to get them to the league, right? They don't believe, like, that's not my biggest chance. So I got to go to that big school. But this is how we start to change the narrative. And I, and I really appreciate Deion Sanders kind of putting his money where his mouth is 
because he goes into a situation where, yeah, he probably could have became a head coach for another school that would have probably paid him X amount of millions of dollars. I don't know what his contract looks like, but it's probably somewhere in the hundreds of thousands, maybe, maybe a hundred thousand dollars because they don't have the funding for that. Um, but it, it just goes to show that when you have a movement like that, all of a sudden, I, I guarantee you, I'm just saying you, you're going to see the rise in HBCUs and talent that goes there because it, I, I want to play for Deion Sanders, to be honest with you. <laughs> and that's so true. And I think that movement is happening because even, you know, um, friends of mine i went to tuskegee i have friends of mine and they always talk about why are we so and i'm an alabama fan why are we so dialed into those colleges and not our own those colleges that come out and they say because i'm on alabama's facebook page and tide nation and you know you see people say oh i'm never watching nfl and i hope this doesn't come to alabama because nick saban did a march with the players. And of course, people got mad at that. Why are you doing this? Why are you bringing politics in this? I'm not watching Alabama football. They lie. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You watching Alabama or Auburn if you're from the South. So when these players start to shift and actually go to these HBCUs and see that they have opportunity, that equity will increase. It is just a matter of time. I think it's going to happen. We're starting to see it in basketball. These recruits, they're not going to Duke north carolina anymore they're choosing other schools because they're saying that hey i want to use my voice i want to use my star power i want to use my talent and i want to take it to some place that is going to nurture me and not just use me i remember going to um when i was in high school and i grew up in the south deep south i remember some older men sitting on the sideline and they were like boy he run just like an end that stole a chicken and they were older white men, but they love to see performance. They want he that's what he's good for. He's just good for running that football. Those times have changed. And I think that the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, NASCAR, all these other professional associations are starting to see it's just not about a workhorse anymore. These are human beings. We must change. And we must usher that in. Of course, it's going to be slow in some areas versus others. But overall, we're going to get there. And we're moving and we're moving. And the more we talk about it, the more we have these conversations, the more people will begin to realize, you know, I thought one way, but maybe it was an unconscious bias. Maybe I didn't give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, Stanford did a study of police pulling over different ethnicity groups and their conversation, the way they started, it was different for minorities than it was for white counterparts. Over a thousand stops. And it just escalated in those different situations based off of the benefit of the doubt. So I'm going to go first with the rise or fall. I think that these leagues aren't going anywhere. They're staples in our society. They will continue to rise. They will continue to make change. And I think that even for the NFL, if they're slower, the players will get to a point to where they say, hey, if you don't listen, we will sit down. And let's be honest, there won't be a league without your minority players. There will, The league won't exist, in any of them. And even in baseball, they're high in Hispanics. If they sit down, there will be no baseball. <laughs> Minorities sit down in other sports, they won't. They, we just won't have them. So we know the owners won't let that happen. 
We know that they'll make change. I say that they will continue to rise and rise, and I will continue to watch and watch. Yeah, and I agree with that. Um, like I mentioned before, I think that um, just like what Tyro, Tyra said, Tyro, Tyrone, <laughs> what Tyra said, they will continue to rise. Um, a lot of the trainings that, again, we do is in regards to um, I, one of them is called The Future is Diverse. And we talk about the shape of a lot of organizations for the future. And now individuals who are working for your organization want to be looked like looked at like humans. I'm just not a body. I'm not just here for the check. People will leave, just like we heard in these examples. People will leave and go to another organization that cares more about my work-life balance, that cares more about my family, about my needs. And I will take a pay cut just so I can be in a place where they're going to respect me as an individual. So again, there is a change in how we have to do leadership. We have to start looking at it differently if you truly want to retain the talent that you have, because essentially they're the ones, again, that push your mission and your vision. So you have to make sure that you have to evolve and innovate and start pushing forward to the changes and the requirements of your team members for the future. And they want to look like it, look at like human beings. So again, I think that they're in the um, right direction. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but the future is diverse, but is your thinking. And if it's not, you need to get with us so you can start really working on becoming a more effective leader. Corey. Yeah. So I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think NBA is going to rise because of this. MLB is going to rise because of this. Um, even NASCAR, for example, right? That NASCAR probably pulled in by getting the Confederate flag out of there. NASCAR probably pulled in some people that it it's like watching paint dry to me because I can't I can't watch them go in circles like that. Um, but it probably is gonna pull some people in that's really in the cars, that's really in the speed and all that stuff. Probably pull some minority folks in there by doing that, right? And even shedding light on that. The one thing though, I do be- I, I do believe that the NFL can potentially rise. The, the reason I say that is because if they're still so slow to act on everything and they're so behind the times on everything, you're going to see we had a test market basically, right, last year when we had the XFL in place. COVID-19 was the only reason that the XFL doesn't exist today. The ratings for the XFL were like through the roof, right? And they were watching people who couldn't necessarily make an XFL team. There was only one person signed from an XFL team onto the NFL team. But if you think about that, people want to see good play. People want to see good performance. Right. And if you can go into a position where we have an XFL and it continues to grow and builds and then they can start offering the contracts that are necessary for it, you can see a shift. So that's why I just want to say the NFL should be on notice because of something like that. Your actions can force someone to say, I'll just go to another league like the XFL if it pops up again. And if they if they'll allow me for my voice to be heard, I'm not hurting for money right now. So if you could imagine losing the top 25 players that are minorities in the NFL, they probably made 70 million dollars thus far. I'll go play for the XFL at that point. My family's good. So I think they'll rise. um, But I just want to say that they should be on notice at this point. Thank you for listening into another episode of Internal Fire Presents the Act and Lead series. It's one thing to get information, but it's another thing to apply it. So leaders out there, take this information. How can you apply it in how you manage, how you lead, how you do things in business, how you continue to move forward? And as we always say, we don't just lead, we mix action with leadership. Tune into a next episode next week and learn more about us at athleteconsulting.com. I got you.
It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. (laughs) (laughs) Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speakfire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces.